It's my great joy to come and give you this brief discussion, a, a topic. I wished it was a discussion because I see some of you, my colleagues, my good friends, medics, trainers of medics, and those who are on the brink of getting in, and fellow pastors like me. I wish I was introduced like a pastor because I'm, first of all, a reverend. <laughs> okay, thank you. I decided that we should discuss this, and I had two approaches to look at the topic we do have. The importance of missions in health delivery in Africa will not go undisputed. Before governments even formed, the health services were actually in the hands of missions. The earlier missionaries, I chair the board of CMS, CMS and in, in CMS, which was one of the pioneer missionary groups in, in Africa, had three things they looked at. That one was the hospital, the church, and the school. That was the model of missions that enabled the church to exist through difficulties, and that is what transformed this former cold, dark continent into a continent where we have all become the real hope for the Church of Christ in the world. There is a shift people are seeing that the, the whole world is looking up to Africa in terms of launching on thinking missions. This is where we've had majority of Christians and we have the whole countries, most like this country with 80% Christians. This came out of that kind of, of a tripartite approach towards mission. Along the line, we lost it and our mission became one of mere words, saving souls, but forgetting about what happens to the bodies. So we ended up having ghosts in the church because we only deal with souls, hallelujah. But what happens to their health, what happens to their economic up upkeep, what happens to their intellectual growth is none of our business. So churches open in each corner just looking for souls. Actually, we are always asked when we go for missions, how many souls did you bring? <laughs> no one wonders what then happens to the bodies that these souls bring, whether those bodies are sick, those bodies are terminal, those bodies are, are ignorant, that doesn't matter so long as they are souls that are brought in. I therefore wanted us to look at that. And we cannot look at healthcare delivery without seeing the challenges that surround the healthcare services in Africa, which is what I wanted us to really jog. I wish you could give me a contribution of what you see as challenges, and then we can wire out and discuss this. I want then later to present to you a model of another group I'm involved with, of how they have tackled, waded through those challenges and created a health system that is very effective in a war context that has been amazing and I wished we all could have emulated this model in many places that we are. The World Health Organization points out to us that Africa lags behind. Africa lags behind all regions in the world in healthcare 
and the indicators of better health are, are obvious. A recent report by World Health Organization, for instance, shows that Africa has 20% of the world's sick. It's, it has only 4% of, of it, four oh, percent of its healthcare workers handling these twenty percent sick. We have a big gap between the people out to provide health services and the need that we have in terms of healthcare. The state of investment in healthcare infrastructure is also grossly inadequate, as it is inefficient. But this should not really be so. There are factors that have led to that, and we would have been happy to examine this on a deeper scale, but the seminar do not allow us to really delve into that. There are ongoing national or regional or continental efforts to improve the healthcare delivery in the continent, that this involve direct or indirect obstacles that work against this kind of maturity of efficient delivery of services wherever we are. Some of these areas that we need always to look and reflect on are areas that, we, that, that, well, that include like clinical care and, and establishing centers of excellence. There would be need for medical health care that would to finance medical health care and resource mobilization to provide those care where they are not presently uh, availed. The primary health care system and community health need an overhaul need to be looked at again and be improved. There's need for greater preventive care and risk reduction in health services. There is great need for a role of reference laboratories. I've worked in places where if you really need to do some tests, you'll have to go 400 kilometers, like come back to Nairobi <laughs> in order to get it. But in other places, you go like 800 kilometers before you get the services that you need in laboratory. This needs to be improved. And the role of missions in doing this, or Africans in diaspora or any other communities outside our context in assisting this need again to be looked at so that this can help improve that. We are not ruling out. If we were only missionaries, we would come feeling entitled to do that delivery. But I am addressing also our own local Kenyans, and that is where our advocacy and political role need to come into challenging these fallen structures to be what they should be in order to help us deliver that. But we cannot rule out the major, major area where we need to look at, that is training of medical and other professions. These are areas that I feel if we are to begin addressing the health delivery problems, we need to have that in mind. Many people, when we think of the role of missions in doing this, we have seen missions from a very narrow kind of end. For us, missions has been weaning of souls. I've been part of hospitals where patients are aching and the first thing they must be done, that must happen in that hospital, is to preach the gospel, whether people are hearing or not. And interestingly, even Muslims attend and they listen to the someone. I hope they hear the someone. <laughs> 
So there's a way you can hear it, but never listen, yes? They listen to the someone being preached, and then they are treated, and, they, and life goes on. Should we look out for our missions, our participation in this healthcare delivery, just to win souls? Or it, is it sufficient that when we've done something, re helped the least of this, we have also fulfilled our mandate before God? Do we have a mandate to heal the sick as much as we have the mandate to preach the gospel? I borrow from Francis of Assisi, who said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. <laughs> so the only way we could have preached the gospel without using words is to provide cure, provide care, and provide services to those who are ailing in this way. I'm indebted to Jose Muriuki Kiriga and Saudi Bari, who made an interesting and insightful survey when they examined the problem of the burden, uh, communicable and uh, non-communicable diseases, how Africa was confronted with the health burden. The health burden that was weighing heavy on Africa can be solved. We can tackle it. But it's not happening at the scale that we should be proud and thank God for. And it calls not only for government as a player, it's not calling only for those outside as a players, as interested parties, but we who are also in affected by this need to take our role and take our strategic place in it. Africa is confronted by a heavy burden by a heavy burden of communicable and non-communicable diseases. The cost-effective interventions that can prevent the disease burden exist, but the coverage is too low due to health systems' weaknesses. Our health systems are not able to assist us to confront this burden. There are challenges related to this, which include leadership and governance. Our leaders are not casting their eyes beyond the routine. We need to begin praying for leadership that rethink and want to look at the health services that we do have. Our health workforce need boosting, and we need enough personnel. Uh, Lydia knows this. We've worked together in the northeast of Kenya. And in the northeast of Kenya, I today think we only have two gynecologists against a population of close to two million. If you look at the workforce available for serving the people, it is pathetic, and we really need God to help us in this. Medical products, vaccine, and technologies are also greatly insufficient to go around and assist us. Information about health, about what what's available is also lacking. There's need for greater financing of our health services and even that service delivery is greatly wanting. World Health Organization made many more regional orientations, things that they wanted to provide, the, the targets they were asking their nations to reach at certain times. And all these are there, but they can only be corrupted 
if they are not efficiently done well. Many of them agree, sign those protocols, but there is no one to come and implement these things. If we looked at the overview, the overview of our disease burden, can you turn the, the overview of disease burden? Right there. We see out of 58 million people who die globally, that was in 2005, 10 million of these were from the World Health region of Africa. We have a majority of the deaths, which were about 64%, occurred in the region, which occurred in the region resulted from HIV, AIDS, 19% uh, from uh, lower respiratory infections, 8% uh, malaria, diarrhea had 7%. And you see there are things that could be dealt with. Uh, I mean, they're not real bigger issues. Things that we could have prevented have killed more of our people than, in, uh, than usual. Even though effective public health interventions that could have prevented most of these deaths exist, the coverage of that has been very, very low. We have more of them, more regions that are not covered with this knowledge, with this help, with this intervention. Some are so weak that I've attributed, some have attributed this, this thing to the challenge of leadership. As I've mentioned before, the low health workforce uh, the products, information, and on have challenged us. The challenges we face are serious to us. And the first challenge is one on leadership and governance. This challenge includes very weak public health leadership management or public policies. We've not come up with ideas of how do we manage the health issues. And this is where I challenged many of my mission's colleagues let us plunge in and provide a broader thing than just curative service of a particular clinic. Because I've seen many of the church organizations, each is setting a clinic in terms of meeting these goals. But we need to see that if we handled the challenge of weak public health policy that there exists, we would reduce need for the many clinics that we are creating every day. There's a need for the inadequate health-related legislations are also affecting us. There is need for enforcement that we examine this and push for legislations on areas of health that would help the, us in all. There's also very limited community participation we are not involving the whole community in seeing that their health is in their hands. It's always been thought that health is something that is for doctors to give us health. It's for medical workers to give us health. But we need to transform and tell people your health is your personal responsibility. How do we help people over what they eat, how the, the way they behave, the hygienic context where they live in, and on to help them mature and take more of this on themselves. There's the issue of dealing with weak intersectoral action. Many times health and education, for instance, health and economics are never blending. 
Each is drafting their own different things. And on that public level, and on that governance level, we need to find ways of interacting and bringing more things that would help, how would economics and business participate in helping people? How would our involvement in income generation influence the health of the people? How will our participation in education, like training of students in a normal secular context, play a role also in informing them over health issues? That first area where we look at governance, when we look at issues about health management, is very, very crucial. Many of our missions are never involved very deeply on this. I have a very effective group where we also started training our missionaries on health work, which is community health evangelism. For them, the goal was not really community health. Community health was a tool <laughs> to achieve the goal of evangelism. And the evangelism goal is achieved when we have a list of names of people who have given their lives to the Lord, actually souls. But, but, but I wanted us to spread more. These souls are the ones we are sent to disciple. Let's shift from winning of souls to discipling people. Because it's in this process of discipling that you want to look at the context that someone lives in and help develop that in that way. The second point, the second challenge we are facing is the extreme shortage of health workers. And this exists in 57 countries in which 36 of which are in Africa. The extreme shortages, are majority of that is here in Africa. And Kenya, we may think we are better, but it's also very skewed. And now Nairobi, you have all the expertise you need. But go 10 kilometers or go 50 kilometers out of here, you start feeling the pinch that the people you really need to care for you over certain things you wouldn't be able to get. The, the crisis has been exas exasperated by the inequalities of workforce distribution and brain drain. Uh, every good doctor don't want to work in the rural areas. Why? Because they are not paid well. Why? Because... Oh, great. Okay. Okay. Why? There are very good reasons. Because they are not learning. Because the medical workers want where they would always upgrade and learn new things that are coming, how do they manage healthcare and the rest. So they're not getting the information that will help them improve their, themselves in that context. For that reason, many in pursuit of advancement in their career, they begin finding their way here. But when they come here, the older ones have gone nowhere. They, are, they claim to be more experienced. And in that process, you get no one coming to you for a while. And maybe if you come, came in as a consultant, you take forever to get your clientele of people who would see you. And that is a challenge that we must look and see how would we be effective in delivering this public health intervention to people who need it and that they will get it where they live. Thirdly, there is rampant corruption in medical products 
and technology procurement systems, and reliable supply systems, and an affordable prices attached to these. There is a rational use of wide variety of quality and their safety. We have those issues surrounding us, and many of them, some, nowadays you almost want to go test your medicines again. You may get panadols, but they may not be panadols, they may be powder. Uh, cassava, you know? <laughs> because everyone is doing it, and the society has fallen in such a way that uh, the people who are to examine quality are not really doing their work well. It has put us in a very difficult situation. Fourthly, there is a dearth of information and communication technology. The mass internet connectivity, we are improving, but it's still lacking that many are not getting the information they need. Fifthly, the health financing in the region is characterized by low investment in healthcare. We would invest in many things, but very few are investing in healthcare. I looked at the case of our country. We know where Christians have invested, either Chogoria, uh, Kijabe, Tenwek, and where else, Kaplong? Where else do you know? Kapsoar, where else? Huh? Litin. Where are all these places? Where, are, where have we done our investment as Christians on, on healthcare? Where are all these places? Huh? Okay, what, someone has brought a new dimension that these are actually not Kenyan Christians' investment. They are missionaries investing in Kenya. But don't you see the skewedness of where these things, this investment has been? There are places where if these people still need, if those places were removed, they would still find healthcare services. Hello? Yeah? Not necessarily. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing, but uh, would there be district hospitals where these people could also get those healthcare services? Not, I'm, I'm, I'm just arguing. Some, some would, some wouldn't. Let's agree. But if we look at that, this was investment. Most of this were done 30, 50 years and so. Where is our modern investment of healthcare services where people live? Who comes to the Northeast? Who comes, okay, so Lolo we have already in, in, on the border with Ethiopia, uh, I mean the, uh, the, the Anglican community. Who dare move to the other remote peripheries of our countries to bring those healthcare? And I'm saying we stand a great opportunity. Let me use the Kenya example again. It may not be relevant for some others. Today, the county governments are being given the responsibility of running healthcare services. Yes or not? There are certain counties in this country where you look at the indigenous, you'll never get one trained doctor. True or wrong? Where would these people expect to get medical health? And that's where I'm seeing our opportunity for missions. 
I'm seeing the opportunity of Christian fraternity, of going to identify those areas and begging and saying, we are able to assist you manage your healthcare clinics. And we say, Trukana, we want to come. And we bring Christians to use that as their goal for mission and have the county government pay for it. We want to come and ask them, could you help us? What will it take for us to care for your people? These are the equipment we need. These are the associations we need. These are the things we need. We want to use this to train also your people that they would manage. I'm praying that missions goes beyond creating our own centers into penetrating and infiltrating the government centers which will allow us to uphold our ethos and uphold our standards of work in a way that that would happen. For several years, living in Garissa, I wanted to change, to work on transforming this health sector. There's a point we didn't have any medical trained doctor in Garissa because of the dangers. And uh, Sister Lydia and others were tremendous in, in this. I tried to talk to doctors, no doctor wanted to go. So I went to talk to medical students. And as students, we came over to Garissa Hospital and we, we decided to manage a whole PGH. You see people clacking in emergency, people everywhere, people are all over the world. And they were doing tremendous job, they saved lives, <laughs> amen. <laughs> And out of that, things grew up. The university decided to give them an elective program <laughs> at the hospital. And it worked well, because we then loyced with the rotary doctors who were regularly coming there on rotation. After that kind of experience, the government, we went and negotiated with the government that if doctors are willing to work in Garissa, you give them automatic entrance into postgraduate program, you pay for them. And Dr. Gakuru agreed and others. So we negotiated that and then every other person decided this is the place to go. <laughs> so we suddenly had many doctors coming to Garissa. They kept their word. For many, they accepted and were after four years of service or three years of service, people went back to studies. Soon now we are running a full, the hospital run residencies have a whole year of people in turns coming over to there. You would not get a space in the hospital today if you wanted. And this was missions. It was out of commission. We just decided we will take charge of this. And, and today, health services have come to that level. But this could be taken further into different areas. It's possible that we, if we dreamt, we would be able to use medicine or to use this training not only to transform medical service delivery, but it could be very, very helpful in assisting the communities and also as a witness for our, our God. I was, for the last four years, I served in a board of uh, a hospital in Eastern Congo, that is uh, Heal Africa in Goma. Currently, I share, I share their board. And the place, for, since June 2006, Eastern Congo has gone through great crisis. The crisis of war that has prevented medical delivery and every other thing around that place 
collapsed. Heal Africa decided to do a pilot scheme of a program they called Safe Motherhood. You could Google that on internet, you will see uh, the program. And what amazed me in the program was the way they took many of these things and decided to take charge of a context that was already a collapsed and a forgotten issue. My two friends, Joe, Dr. Joe Lucy and his wife Lynn, who are the pioneers, actually the founders of this program, I only came in to assist them on the road. They isolated an area which they used as a program and they developed the Safe Motherhood program. And in this, they looked at women who formed reproductive age and formed them into solidarity group. And these women who were on maternity, I mean, who were on the age of reproduction, who could, uh, who could give birth, were brought together and formed into a solidarity group so that they would be contributing every day, every week some money that would turn out to be their insurance for provision of medical care. They would at times go work in a farm together. Funds they raised that would be put in their solidarity group as their medical insurance. The program had two approaches. One, the community approach, that they formed people in that solidarity group for maternity insurance, and that, that which constituted the spine of this program. And then they also went to find the health centers that had been abandoned and went on to support those health centers founding funds to provide for maternity programs all the things they would have needed and also retrain the nurses that were working there. They dealt with traditional birth attendants who were brought out and they were trained. People were never going to hospital until they had problems. Many times they said pregnancy was not a disease, but they never wanted to monitor their pregnancy from the time of conception up to giving birth. So whenever they had complications is when they look for treatment. But in this program, they encouraged every one of them to go. So they have built it on four pillars, family planning, prenatal care, safe assistance in delivery, and essential obstetric care. In this, they used those groups and supported, created dispensaries or health centers that would help them deliver trained those people, and also these groups, solidarity groups, encouraged each other that in every time someone was pregnant, they were encouraged to go to the clinics, and they found help, they helped monitoring their, the, the, the progress of their, of, their, of their pregnancy until they were able to give birth. The result has been that majority of women who now joined those groups decided became members and were regularly attending clinic and that reduced mortality rate and that enabled them even in the crisis of war to be able to find medical care and supported them through. I was amazed when the, this group, M23, the, the rebels, attacked the region, they allowed the Heal Africa staff to go back and treat people. The hospitals were not touched. So health delivery continued in poverty, continued during war and turbulent situations, that were, and people continued being helped throughout this place, throughout that time. It helped me 
believe that if we as believers again took charge over what God has given to us and the people he's assigned to us, we would be able to revolutionize and, tra and transform them in a very powerful way. These self, uh, solidarity groups are also group of Christian women and they bring in their friends who are not Christians, they share the gospel with them and they continue in that, in, in that form. The care they have given have made people conscious of what our faith is all about and many are turning on to follow Christ because of this. Out of this, we are developing a similar program for the Northeast. It's still on the infancy, but in a group where people have stronger traditions of the traditional bath attendants who they manage their baths at home and on, we, we are trying to find a way that this would be more hygienic, this will reduce the mortality and will allow people to afford it's interesting that now no one is asking for free things because of their solidarity groups, they are able to demand and get the services they need because of, of all that. And on the other hand, the provision of these services have been brought nearer them and uh, they are able to deal with that. I want to challenge our thinking and our reflection that it shouldn't be just providing that care, but we should look and venture into how we ought to expand our health delivery, and I pray that we cast our nets broadly, not just managing a clinic, but pushing forward and taking over, in, a, in, 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 in essence, uh, areas that would have had no one working. I have been also challenged and defeated two years ago, I think a year ago, when the Al-Shabaab attacked the refugee camp in Dadaab and uh, uh, kidnapped MSF workers, Medicines Sans Frontières, we had a problem. I'd gone over, we took a team of our, of our mission to do trauma counseling for the refugees. And in the process, the, the people asked me, who then will run the hospitals? I was pushed. Can we take over the hospitals in the camp to run? Red Cross had pushed themselves in, but they tried to raise doctors. No one came. <laughs> and, and this made me really jealous. And when we were working on it, I've been defeated to get sufficient team to go over and make my bid to take over the healthcare services at the camp. But I want to believe that these are the kind of dreams that I want to come out of uh, this kind of conference. I've been challenging my friends at the Christian Medical and Dentist Association. Let's get a bigger dream. <laughs> a bigger dream like taking over the medical services at the camp and negotiating with both the UNHCR and any other parties interested that look, we want to begin doing this because we have the people. And if we do this in the name of God, who knows what we shall have done. It's interesting to be interested in Tenwek, but we thank God that those who have come, they have made miles to get to Tenwek. America and Tenwek is not far, is not near. Yeah? <laughs> but what are we, what is that, what lesson are we learning from that? 
what has this taught us? What has this challenged us to be? Livingstone said God had an only son and he made him a, a missionary and a doctor, a doctor and a missionary. So I want to pray that God would transform us into that missionaries that will transform healthcare delivery, particularly where there are none with the examples that I've shared so far. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.